morning, church family. You can make your way to your seats. Isn't the presence of the Lord special, sweet? Amen? God is so good. Hey, we're going to dive into God's Word. Don't you love His Word, church? I'm telling you, I love His Word. Before we dive into the message, though, I want to give you guys an update on where we are for Heart for the House. So just this week, I got a phone call from the seller who had informed him that the city was looking at our zoning exception, and they said that the zoning exception would not apply to all three of the acres, only part of it. And so they suggested that we apply for a higher level of zoning, which essentially just means more paperwork, and it has to go through a different committee, um, and maybe take a little bit more time. But watch, here's the cool thing, and I believe that God is setting this up because this is going to play to our favor down the road. Because what this does is it grandfathers us in. So later on, when we're going to build our second building, I said when we're going to build our second building, because we're not done. This is just phase one of what we're going to do. We want to be grandfathered in. And so we believe that this is just the hand of the Lord uh, leading and guiding us so that we don't have to go through all the permit stuff down the road. And it's going to make it much more easy for us. And in addition to that, it gives us four more Sundays to extend our giving for the heart, for the house. And so, yeah, that's awesome. That is good. So let me just bring you up to date with where we are. So you can go ahead and bring up the graphic. So right now at current, we have raised, that means money in the bank, 341000 and we have 22000 pledged that will come in, and that puts us somewhere at around the 363 marker. Does that sound about right? Does that look right? Everybody's saying yes. So, yeah. So praise God, you guys. Look. Yeah, amen. Yeah, yeah. Praise God for that. That's in two months' time. And so um, let me just say this because I know, because I've had a few, a few, not many, but even a few express a little bit of concern like, hey, are we going to reach our goal? But watch this, friends, we are going to reach our goal. We're going to reach our goal. Now, December 3rd, that's going to be our final Sunday for Hartford House. So we have four Sundays, including today. But I want you to know that God has already went before us, and he is preparing the way. And so please... Um, Continue to give. Thank you for being faithful to give, but please continue to give to this. And together, I am confident that we are going to meet our goal. Amen? Amen. By the way, I had someone just reach out to me this week, and there's someone outside of our church body, and they asked, they said, hey, if someone wanted to give a car or a boat or land, could you use that toward heart for the house? And the answer to that is yes. We know exactly what to do with those types of things. If that happens to be any of you in this church body, all you got to do is come up to me or to Pastor Daniel and we can make that happen. Oh, and of course that gift would be tax deductible, all right? But in addition to that, let me just say this, in addition to our giving uh, for Heart for the House, please continue to pray for this endeavor. Amen? And if you want just a couple of quick prayer points, I jotted these down. Be praying for the zoning. 
Uh, we believe that God is leading us to this higher level of zoning, but it has to go before another committee now, and so we want to ask for favor there. Also be praying for all of the construction costs. Well, I'm asking for favor there. I'm praying that that steel will come down in Jesus' name. Amen? And some of those prices and that inflation will get punched in the nose. And so uh, also be praying over our lending. I've got three different lenders that we're dealing with. Now you're saying, lenders, I thought we were raising money for the land. We're raising the money for the land so that we can buy the land outright. And then we're going to be able to use the land as the down payment for the, the loan. And so I've got three different lenders, and I'm trying to get them to play against one another, and so uh, pray that I have wisdom to, to know how to handle it, but even more so that I have favor with each of those lenders. Um, also be praying over the timing of everything. Watch this, church. Look, if we're going to trust God, we also have to trust his timing, all right? And so it's going to happen on his timing, and sometimes what appears is a delay is not a deny. All right, And I've learned that in my life, that sometimes whenever things get slowed down, God's like, hey, I'm still working behind the scenes. And so, um, but let's be praying for all that if you would. But uh, join me if you would right now, and uh, let's just pray over those things, and uh, then we're going to dive into God's Word. Father, we do bring all these requests that we just mentioned before you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you do have the zoning taken care of, that you went before us. Thank you for... Um, the individual that's already been working on this case, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we have favor there. God, I thank you, Lord, also, Lord, that you're going to bring these costs, Lord, to where they're affordable for the building. I pray also, Lord, over the land development, Lord, over making everything, not just the, the vertical, but even the horizontal, the moving of the dirt. God, I ask for favor there. I pray, Lord God, over our lenders. I thank you, Lord, that you've already given us favor there with a, a couple of those lenders. I pray, God, that you give me wisdom, Lord, to know what to do, Lord. Father, also, we thank you, Lord, Lord, that all things are in your hand. The timing is in your hand, and so we trust you for that, God. So we love you, and we give you praise. Lord, as we dive into your word now, God, would you just cause our hearts to be found as fertile soil by which the seed of your word could be sown. We love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, why don't you turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 3. And for those of you that are just joining us, we have been on a series called Unhindered, where we've been going verse by verse through the book of Colossians. Last week, we talked about the importance of us setting our minds on the things that are above, not on earthly things. And then we Looked at what it meant to renew our minds, that the renewal isn't just this one-time event, but it is a constant alignment of us causing our thoughts to come in line with God's truth. And now we see the progression of what this uh, renewal process should look like in the life of the believer. And see, Paul doesn't just leave us with a command for us to set our minds on the things above, but he gives us practical guidance on how we're going to do it. It's kind of like he's given us the blueprint for living an unhindered life in Christ. And so I want us to pick back up where we left off last week in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 5 through 10. And it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all 
such things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have put off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So in this passage, Paul highlights areas needing transformation through this renewal process. He mentions things like sexual immorality, greed, anger, lying, slander, filthy language. These are old worldly patterns that he says needs to be put to death. Now, I want to make something clear here. Paul isn't just listing these sins out so that we'll feel guilty. Instead, he's shining a light on the areas where our minds need to be conformed to God's way of thinking instead of the world's way of thinking. These are areas where we've allowed culture to, as we said last week, be squeezed into its mold. And so we've got to break the mold, church. And Paul tells us exactly how to do that. And I love that Paul doesn't just point out the problem, but he provides for us the solution. He tells us to put off the old things, like old dirty clothes, and to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. You see, this putting off and putting on process that Colossians 9 and 10 talks about, this is a deliberate choice to change our thought patterns, which in turn will reflect in the way that we live. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. You've probably heard me say this before. God's word doesn't just give you the right way to live, but it's also the best way to live. And I mention that because I think that there's oftentimes that we go and we read a list like this, that there can be these accompanying thoughts that suggest that God's word somehow is preventing us from living the life that we want to live. But can I just tell you that if God is saying to you to not do something, it means that that something is not good for you. This is a principle that all of us parents know, right? We know that there are times that children want to do one thing, but we tell them no because we know that it's going to negatively impact them, like not staying up late on school nights or not being on your phone too often. I'm not going to get any amens from my teenagers on this. <laughs> there may be other things that we tell them not to do, like not watching certain movies or not listening to, to certain music. Or here's a big one. Uh, don't hang around bad influences. But our children, they may just think that we don't trust them or that it won't affect them. But watch this. You and I have lived life long enough to know differently, right? As a matter of fact, God's word speaks to each of those issues that I just mentioned right there. For example, whenever we tell our children that they need to be wise and discerning about who they hang out with, well, God already spoke that to us 2,000 years ago in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, or 33, whenever it says, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. And so if we, as parents, understand this about our children, then how much more should we trust what our Heavenly Father says? 
I mean, just could it be that God knows something that we don't? Now, maybe you're here and you're like, well, pastor, I know what God says, but I keep messing up. Like, I've tried not to be an angry person. I've tried not to give in to lust or to give in to fear. I've tried to not let filthy language come out of my mouth, but I keep failing again and again. Not just listed a, a couple of, of examples, but you know, I have a feeling that every person in this room has some area of their life in which you still have a struggle. Like maybe it's your identity. Maybe it's the feeling of worthlessness. You have feelings and impulses that you know that you shouldn't act upon, but like for some reason, you find yourself repeatedly doing them. The intention to do the right thing is in your heart, but your action often contradicts it. Now, if you can relate, let me just assure you that you are not alone. You see, the truth is, the Christian walk is a process. It's a lifelong journey of transformation. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the very book that we're, we're talking about here, Colossians, he expressed his own struggles in Romans chapter 7, verse 19, when he said, For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing. And so if Paul had some struggles, then it's understandable that we're going to also. But here's the good news. Paul also provides us with the key of overcoming these challenges. Because in verse 10, he said that we are being renewed in knowledge in the image of our creator. That means that our transformation, it's not something that's based solely on our efforts, but it's rooted in our relationship with Christ and our knowledge of him. See, to be set free from the cycle of repeated failures, we must first recognize that transformation begins with a renewed mind, a mind that is continually being shaped in the knowledge of who God is and who we are. It's about knowing and understanding the truths that are found in his word. And so practically speaking, how can we engage in this process of renewal. Well, we talked a little bit about it last week, didn't we? Like, we must first immerse ourselves in God's word. When you begin to learn more about God's character and his promises, then your thinking will naturally begin to align with his truth. Now watch this. I know that that may sound like Elementary teaching for some of you, but I can promise you that this is a truth that the majority of American Christians have yet to grab hold of. Because I just read a shocking statistic just this week that said only about 12% of churchgoers read their Bible daily. An article went on to highlight the significant gap between church attendance and daily Bible reading. Now, I mention this because... You won't believe how many times I've had people say things to me like, well, I tried the God thing. I went to church, and it didn't do anything for me. But I want you to imagine, if you could, if I went to the gym, 
every Monday morning. And I listened to what the trainer taught me in order to be physically healthy. Yet the rest of the week, I didn't do what he told me. And I repeated this same cycle week in and week out. And then imagine that I came to you and I said, gyms are useless. I was a member at the church at Planet Fitness for five years. And I listened to everything that that trainer said every Monday morning. But I didn't see one single change in my life. What would you say to me? Huh? You would say, Chris, if all you ever did was just listen to what the trainer had to say, but you never actually did it, that's the reason that you're not seeing any change in your life, right? Now, God's word speaks to this. Do not deceive yourselves by just listening to his work. Instead, put it into practice. Church, I know that I probably sound like a broken record player because I've said this so many times, but it still needs to be said. There is no substitute for time spent with God. There's just simply not. If you want to be spiritually healthy, then you have got to exercise your faith, which means that you've got to spend time in his word, but it also means seeking him in prayer. Because when I'm talking about prayer, I'm not just talking about us just bringing our requests to him. Yes, you can do that. Thank God we can bring our requests to him. But I'm also talking about us coming with a desire to know him better and to ask him to reveal his truth to you and transform your mind in accordance with his will. But let me just expound on what I briefly mentioned last week. And that is each and every one of us, we need accountability and we need community. Like, it is critical that we surround ourselves with a community of believers who can support us and encourage us in our journey. Like, that's where we share our, our struggles and our victories, and we can pray for one another's transformation. See, here's the thing. Sharing your struggles lets others know that they're not alone. See, I think that oftentimes we tend to think that we're the only ones who's going through something difficult. But I can promise you, as a pastor and as a counselor, your struggle is more common than you think. And whenever you begin to share your struggle with others, it creates a space of mutual understanding and support. One in which brings healing, like not only for you, but also for those who hear your story. And by the way, what we're talking about right here, this is a very biblical thing to do. Galatians 6.2 says that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? To love God and to love others. Let me share with you what I know to be true. If you will open yourself up to others and choose to be transparent and real, and allow them to speak into your life, which means that you've got to openly invite people in, which I know is hard for some. But friends, vulnerability is part of the process of becoming the people that God has called us to be. And there's no sidestepping this process. I mean, you can try, but you won't succeed. Remember the first instance where God 
identified something as not good was when man was alone, isolated from companionship. Now let's jump back to the things that Paul mentioned earlier. Things that he said that we need to put off were the things like sexual immorality, greed, anger, slander, lying, and filthy language. If you will immerse yourself in God's word, spend time in prayer, be intentional about being in a community of believers and allowing accountability into your life, what you will find is that you will begin to develop a resistance toward temptation in those areas. And again, this isn't something that's going to happen overnight, but as we cultivate these habits, you'll begin to start to see the fruit of the Spirit coming forth from your life. Now let's pick back up where we're reading in Colossians. First, Paul gives us the list of things that we should put off. But now he gives us the list of the things that we should put on. So Colossians 3, verse 12 through 14 says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one of you has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, I want us to just break down those couple of verses that we just read right there. Paul starts by addressing the Colossians as God's chosen ones. I want you to stop and just to consider that for just a moment. Because this would have been a radical shift from what they had heard and known about God up to this point. Because the Jews were the only ones who were ever called God's chosen ones. But here, Paul tells the Colossians, Gentiles, mind you, that they also are God's chosen ones. Now, this same truth applies to us today in this sense. God's love for his creation is far greater than anything that we could ever possibly imagine. And his word promises that for all who call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Hallelujah. And you've heard me teach this before, but salvation means so much more than just the promise of heaven. Salvation means that God desires for us to be complete, to be whole, and to be as he created us to be. And I feel the need to teach this because some would want to distort the truth of the gospel. There is a doctrine called limited atonement, which essentially says that Jesus only died for a select group of people and not for everyone in the world. And it's part of the theological framework known as Calvinism, which also believes that God doesn't speak or heal people and that all miracles ceased with the death of the last apostle. And watch this. There are a lot of mainline denominations that teach this. And I want to ensure and, and make sure that, that you are aware of this because there are some of you here that you're going to probably move away from Jacksonville at some point to another city. And when you do, you're going to want to find a home church. If they teach this, run. Because that doctrine is simply inconsistent with Scripture. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 6. In case I got some pushback for those who may believe that, listen to what God's Word says. 
this is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants, what? All people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for who? All people. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. 1 John 2.2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, I promise you that I could easily give you a dozen more scriptures that clearly speaks to the truth that God desires for everyone to be saved. Now, does that mean that everyone is going to be saved? No. Now, that's the opposite extreme, which is called universalism. It's those who call upon the name of the Lord that will be saved. So here's what you've got to know. Jesus is exclusive in that he and only he is the way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And so Jesus is exclusive in saying that, he and, that only he is the way to eternal life, but he is inclusive in that he offers the free gift of salvation to all who would call upon him. He's exclu- exclusive that he is the way, but he's inclusive in that all who would call upon him could be saved. Now watch this. Well, pastor, after you're teaching that, does that mean now that I can't go and break bread with my Presbyterian brothers and sisters who believe that doctrine? No. I can still find a common unity, though I hold to a different position. And watch this. Really, what we're talking about right here, this same principle, I mean, it goes beyond just this one doctrine that we're discussing. Because watch this. We all have family members, co-workers, neighbors, And perhaps, maybe even some with our own church body, who hold a different view than us. But as long as we are talking about Jesus, the Son of God who came to shed his blood for the payment of sin, and who rose from the dead to defeat death, hell, and the grave, there is a place for us to find some common unity. Amen? As a matter of fact, I think that's the truth that Paul is speaking to there in Colossians 3.14 when he says, And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I mean, remember what Jesus said in John 13.35? He says, By this, people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. And so this list that Paul gives us, to be compassionate, to be kind, to walk in humility, to exercise meekness and and patience and to bear with one another and to forgive one another. These things can only be done by the power of love, God's love. But if you don't have an overflow of God's love in your heart, then you're going to find it impossible to do the things that Paul mentions here. Why? Because our sinful nature, which we were all born with, doesn't empower us to carry out these things that we're instructed to do as followers of Christ. And that's why we've got to make sure that we seek God every day, not looking to yesterday's manna, if I can just borrow that analogy, but seek Jesus first, his kingdom, 
his righteousness and cultivating the love that God has shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now, if that language doesn't make sense to you, let me just make it a little more clear. When we don't spend time with God, time in his word, time in prayer, time serving others, time singing praises and making melodies in our hearts, time meditating on his truth and his promises, then we essentially, we will dry up. It's no different than expecting a tank of gas to get you from Florida to California. Yet people do this all the time in their walk with Christ. They try to overcome sin. They try to love people as Jesus has called us to do. But they don't do the things that are necessary for their spiritual tank to be filled back up. Paul mentions these types of people in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7. He said, you were running well. You had a full tank of gas, man. You were, who hindered you? From obeying the truth. One translation says, who interfered and caused you to swerve from the truth? See, this right here is a question that I've been asking myself like all throughout the years because I've had to ask it in times of me being in a dry season. And here's what I've come to realize. The well didn't move. I did. What I mean by that is Jesus is at the same place that he's always been, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he's given us the keys to boldly, how about that, come before the throne of grace. But yet something or someone interfered and caused me to serve from the tr uh, swerve from the truth. Now, what interference or hindrance are we talking about? Well, you know what I found is that it's different for all of us. Like for some, it could be a romantic relationship. In a scenario that I have witnessed many times within our own church throughout the years. And it often unfolds kind of like this. Someone becomes entangled into a romantic relationship. But instead of putting God at the center of that union, they choose to go their own way. Unfortunately, this often leads to the crossing of sexual boundaries that should not be crossed and in turn drastically affects their relationship with God. Guys, it's like the domino when it starts. I always know where it's going to end up. This happens almost every single time. But watch this. What we're talking about right now doesn't just apply in our romantic relationships because I've watched plenty of people who started out hanging with people who were bad influences in their life, and it affected them. They could be gossips, um, partiers, or perverts. <laughs> Is it okay to be real here, church? I mean, I wasn't asking for permission, but um, <clears throat> these are real-life examples. Like, I'm giving you real-life examples. People, don't worry. I have uh, protected the guilty. But, um, but these are real-life examples that I I'm talking about here. People who started running the race well, but somewhere along the way, they were hindered from obeying the truth. Pastor, are you saying that I can't talk to anyone who is a Christian? Of course not. I want you talking to the people in the world. I mean, how else are we going to reach them? But there is a difference between reaching the world and becoming like the world. Are y'all with me? There's a difference between being in the world but not of the world. 
And it's vital for us as followers of Christ to be intentional about maintaining our distinctiveness in a world that often promotes values that are contrary to our faith. But watch this, because what we're talking about right now isn't just true of our relationships. Often the things that hinder our walk with God aren't even related to people at all, but things. Material possessions and time wasters. Listen, I'm all for embracing technology. But let's face it, technology can easily become one of the most significant distractions. We're talking about Netflix, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Prime Video, Hulu, and the never-ending world of sports just to scratch the surface. And watch this. While these things can serve a positive purpose, they can also become powerful tools in the hands of the enemy to divert believers from their true purpose. You say, Pastor, are you saying that I should go home today and delete all my social media and skip watching the Jaguars take on the 49ers tonight? <laughs> Absolutely not. What I'm emphasizing is that we need to be putting first things first. And to take an honest look at how much these things might be affecting our relationship with Christ. Let me put it this way. When you start noticing anger creeping in, when lust becomes a constant battle, and joy seems like a distant memory, that's your cue to start tracing the breadcrumb trail of your heart. What caused you to lose your joy? What contributed to the increased struggle with lust? What's behind the anger that's in your heart? It's time to start looking at what we're doing or we're not doing that led to this point. And it's time for us to revisit the things that Paul shares with us here in Colossians chapter 3. To put off the old. That doesn't mean, okay, I'm going to try not to be angry. I'm going to try. No, we need to change our way of thinking. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Let me just leave you with this last thought. Stand with me if you would, please. The renewed mind is the key to living an unhindered life. Let me say it again because I know you were standing. The renewed mind is the key to an unhindered life. See, what we're talking about this morning is not behavioral modification. It's mind transformation. And we once we get our thoughts to come into alignment with God's truth, it's then that we get to experience true freedom. Come on, how many of you would say, I I I'm, going to, I'm going to put off the old and I'm going to put on the new. I'm going to be intentional about what I think about and I'm going to choose to prioritize my relationship with God. Come on, if that's you, can I just see a, a, some hands out? Yeah. Praise God. Join me in prayer if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work that you have begun in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that you will be faithful to complete that work. We trust your promises. And we believe that each and every one of them are yes and amen.
Holy Spirit, we are grateful, grateful for your constant presence, for your wisdom, for your guidance. Thank you for revealing the depths of your love to us. And Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid for our salvation. We stand in awe of your sacrifice. Your grace knows no bound, and we're humbled by the depth of your love for us. May our lives be a living testimony to your redeeming power and the incredible gift of salvation that we have received through your blood. We love you, and we worship you. Now, as we remain in this attitude of prayer, I just want to ask who may be here this morning or is watching online, and you're not in relationship with You've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. Or perhaps at, at one point or another, you, you walked with God, but you allowed the distractions of this world to cause you to turn from Him. Well, friend, I want you to know that your Heavenly Father's arms are wide open. Today, you can come right back into the family of God. Today, you can receive His love his grace, and his forgiveness. You say, Pastor, well, well what, what does that mean? That means that your sin debt can be canceled. That means that every mark that has been written against you, God will erase it when you put your faith in him. You see, only God can offer a past forgiven, purpose for living, and a home in heaven. And if you want those three things, you want your past forgiven, you want a purpose for living, and you want a home in heaven, then I invite you right now to put your faith in Jesus Christ, to put your faith in the price that he paid when he went to Calvary and shed his blood so that your sins could be forgiven. If that's you, I want to invite you right now. This is a life-changing moment in someone's life right now because you're saying, I'm tired of playing church, I'm tired of living in the world. I want to live my life for Jesus. And friend, can I tell you something? The life in Christ, it's a freeing life. It's a good life. Is it easy? It's not easy. You get a big target on you whenever you become a follower of Jesus. But friends, I've lived in the world and I've lived in God and I'm still living in God because God is better than the world. As a matter of fact, the things of this world, it's counterfeit. And so what you've been relying upon and you think has gotten you through to this point, it's like a counterfeit bill. It may pass a few places, but one day you're going to get called on it. Don't trust the things of this world. Trust God. He is a faithful God. He is a good God. And he loves you. And he invites you into the family of God this morning. And so if that's you, you say, I want to be all in. I want to live a life unhindered for Christ. I want to invite you to pray with me right now. Saints of God who have prayed this prayer, we're going to all together pray this prayer of surrender. The Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That means that we become part of the chosen ones here that Paul talks about. We become children of God. Pray this prayer out loud. Mean it from the bottom of your heart, Lord Jesus. I confess that I was a sinner in need of a savior. I ask you, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it and make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. 
that you died on the cross for my sin and the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. And now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. And can we thank God for our salvation one time, church? Hallelujah. What a good God. Say, is it that easy, Pastor? Well, it's that easy to get in. But now what you got to do is you've got to put first things first. As a matter of fact, for those of you that put your faith in Jesus Christ, there are some very important next steps that you need to know. Very important next steps. If I could put a little bit of a shameless plug here and encourage you to download our app. You can get it from Android or iPhone, destinychurchofjacksonville.com. If you download it, in there are four videos that I put together. They're about five minutes apiece, a total of 20 minutes. But they are very important next steps now that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. And so if that's you, uh, please do that today. Amen. And if you're here today in person and you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, once you've left the auditorium, you're going to see a banner that says, I have decided a bunch of times, and there's going to be someone standing there, and they've got some information. They'll take about 60 seconds of your time, and they want to put it in your hands because, again, we want to see to it that you now grow in your faith. Amen? We feel that's our responsibility as the church. And so uh, let me also just give an invitation for those of you who you would like prayer this morning. I, I never want to have us have a service to where we don't offer that opportunity. Uh, sometimes I forget to mention it, um, but um, today we've got a couple of our prayer warriors standing right up here who would love to pray with you about anything. Whether it's sickness that's going on in your body, your family's body, whether it's a need that you have, man, they love to pray. Matter of fact, we feel like that's one of the greatest honors that we could ever have is to get to pray for you. And so if you need prayer, please come up and we would love to pray with you. Amen. Let me just speak a blessing over you, church family, and then go forth this week living an unhindered life, shining the light and the love of Jesus. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up its countenance upon you and may he give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen.